Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We are streaming live from Karam Downs in Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational, Bible-believing, and preaching church. We believe the Bible is the inherent Word of God and preach it verse by verse. You can follow us at www.kingswaycf.com and follow our video sermons. Now, join us as we listen to the latest sermon preached by Pastor John Shipman. How wonderful to see the, the future. You know, these little ones as they go out, it's so wonderful to see them going out. And you know what makes my heart really excited? Is that they're going to hear the word of the Lord next door. My wife takes them, she opens up the Bible, she teaches your children how to open up the Bible, she teaches them where the books in the Bible are. Do you know that there's people who don't even know how the Bible works because they've never been in it? It's just a dusty old book on a shelf somewhere. So uh, my wife takes them through, she shows them where the books are, she gets your children to read out of the Bible. Yeah? Yes, this is where you start. The children read out of the Bible and then... They discuss passages out of the Bible. She goes through the Bible verse by verse. So your children get taught the Bible. There's no programs there. There's no playing groups there. It's the Word of God. Amen? And if you think it's too, it's too much, that's only milk there. You're going to get the steak in here. <laughs> Are you here for the Word of the Lord? Yes. I'm not going to disappoint you. Just give you the Word of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. I want to continue today talking about the Holy Spirit, but I want to say at the start of, of this, because I've been preaching for the last few Sundays now over, about the Holy Spirit, I want to make it clear to you that the cornerstone of the church is Jesus Christ. I will never stop preaching about Jesus. This is important to know. Although it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each one of them had a distinct reason why they came to you and me, why we worship them as a trinity. I will preach in this church, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, which is the best news that you will ever hear in your life. Uh, my brother, welcome here. I see there's a new face. May the Lord bless you. Let's give him a good hand of welcome here this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to get into the Word. Amen. So, so this is what it is all about. It's all about Jesus. Now, we're not Jesus' only sect. We're not that. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. Not this church. Not this church. This is why when you come to this church, you come here freely and you can freely go. <laughs> You can freely go, and you need to go if the Word of God is not taught here. You need to go. You've heard me say that. We're not building a membership list here. We are just doing one thing. We are pointing to the cross. We are pointing to Jesus. My preaching should be pointing you to Jesus. That's all it should do. If it points you anywhere else, then you should go. You don't hear that often from pulpits, do you? But you will hear it here because that's the most important thing in your whole life. You will not be saved by your church. You will not be saved by your parents. You will not be saved by any other man under the sun but Jesus Christ. Yes? Hallelujah. So I want to make that distinction this morning. Yes, 
we preach a lot about the Holy Spirit because as you remember going back a few weeks ago I started talking about God's power versus willpower and I see so many people in churches operating in willpower they use their own willpower to serve God and then they fall short and then they become discouraged and then they leave the church and then they say there's no perfect church let me tell you if you are looking for a perfect church you ain't gonna find it there is a perfect body it is the body of Christ and how you come to that body is not through membership it's been born into that body and when you are born into the body of Christ you are sealed with the Holy Spirit hallelujah this is what we should preach this is what we should know it is him crucified the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he he supports us he works with us he strengthens us he's got a very important work to do in your life as a child of God and in the world as you're going to hear today but I want to take you today to a man that I love so much his name is Paul who loves Paul the man who wrote the biggest part of the New Testament of your Bible he writes an interesting words here in Romans chapter 7 have you read this before he writes these words down and and this whole week I was traveling to Sydney. I was, I was for two nights in Sydney and I was sitting in the hotel and I was, you know, I was sitting with this scripture verse because it just dawned upon me again. And it says in Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death that word body of death they means the life of sin who will deliver me from this life of sin because this body was born in a sinful nature and whether you like it or not since you're a baby you started walking and living in this life of sin through this body you can't stand here and say oh it was an out-of-body experience no you were in the body when you conducted in the sin you were doing. Now Paul says these words. Now, I am going to bring it in context. But I want you to look at this word wretched there. Wretched comes from a Greek word taliporos. Now I'm not claiming to be Greek. I haven't studied Greek. Maybe I've said it wrong in my South African Kiwi accent. But this is just the word in Greek. But what it means is more important to me. It means to endure toils. Who knows what is toils? Toils means is you do something and he's drawing energy from you. That's what you do. Some people are not working, they are toiling. It is, it is effort. It drains energy from you. It takes power from you. So this is what that word means. It, you endure toils and troubles. Who knows what troubles means? I think everybody in this place can, can put up their hands. I know what troubles is all about. Have you had troubles in your life? Certainly. That makes you miserable. That's what he do. It makes you miserable. Now I'm, I'm going to put it in context, but I want to use the liberty this morning to speak to some people right now. 
Because this word here means, oh wretched man, oh miserable man that I am. How did you become so miserable in your life? Well, preacher, it's, it's because of toils. It's because of troubles. During this week, I've heard of a man who they diagnosed with cancer. The cancer is so big they can't cut it out. That certainly becomes a trouble. And my heart goes out. Because physically I can't do nothing for that person. But surely if that man could talk, maybe, I don't know, he could sit here this morning and he says, Oh miserable man that I am. This week I've been hearing and dealing with somebody, a young man who's going through a difficult time in his life. Physically, I can't help that person. But that person could stand here this morning and say, Oh, miserable man that I am. Miserable through toils. I don't know, maybe in this place, there's people who's been feeling like that recently. Who's been going one step forward, but as soon as you reach that one step forward, you've been pushed back by circumstances, three steps. And you find you now self in a place where you can say like a Paul says, wretched, miserable. Now for those purists there who say, ah, oh, he's taking the scripture out of context, hang in there, bear with me. Because there's people while you are sitting there and your life is in order who are hurting this morning. There's people who need Jesus this morning. And they sit in their circumstances while you say, life is cool. I'm enjoying it. There's people even in this place who can sit here and say, I don't even know what's going to happen next week. And it is the work of the church and the child of God to take note of that. So bear me for a moment as I tell you about Jesus Christ walking through a crowd where everybody's screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And there's a lady there who had a problem and she's miserable and she's wretched and she's toiled all her life. And as she stepped one step forward, she's been pushed back three steps who just didn't scream that day. You see, see, toil, is, an, is, toil is, is, a, is a nasty thing. If you are drawn on all of the devices you've got to help yourself, listen to me, if you've drawn on everything and you come to the point of despair and there's nobody else, your husband don't even understand you, your wife don't even understand you, your children can't understand you, your best mate can't understand you, and you sit there on a pit of despair like a joke, I'll tell you one thing, friend, there is one that you need, and his name is Jesus, and if you do not know him, you're in serious trouble. We're living in the 21st century, which if you read through your Bible and the prophecies, it's not going to become easier. I'm not going to stand here and say that life is going to become easier and there's a massive revival and everybody's going to say, Kumbaya, it's not going to happen. And those preachers who preach that, 
those preachers, I talk to them right now, who preach that it is a rosy walk in life. You are deceiving the flock of the Lord and you should stop with that. There are people seriously hurting in churches. A wretched man that I am. If there is an answer to find, the answer is in him. There are people who's lost their jobs because they did not take vaccinations. And they sit in serious places. It's not for you and for me to judge why or who or what. It is for us to pray and say, Lord, have mercy and help. There's people this morning who are seriously sick because of doing things. Brothers and sisters, Jesus walked through that crowd. And while everybody was crying, shouting Jesus, everybody wanted him to touch them. Everybody wanted Jesus to touch them. There was one person who just wanted to touch him. There's one person in that crowd who didn't shout out because he was so ashamed. There was one person who pushed through the crowd. I'm going to touch him today. Come what may, I must touch Jesus. I must touch him I've tried everything. I must touch Jesus. If that's you this morning, if that's you this morning sitting there and maybe you're crying out, oh miserable man that I am, oh miserable woman that I am, oh miserable young man, young woman, doesn't matter who you are, if you're sitting there, there's one answer this preacher has got for you today. You must touch Jesus. Push through the crowd. Push through them. If they push you back, keep on pushing until you come to him. And when she touched him, what happened? He stopped. Because the Bible says that power went from him. <laughs> He's got everything you need. And he said, who touched me? But what is going on here, Jesus? I mean, look at the crowds. Now, he knows the needy. He knows the needy. Have you noticed? He didn't walk that day in there and said, where is that lady who's toiling so much? Where is that person who's so miserable? Did, did you hear that? Did you read that? No. He conducted on until she touched him. The answer this morning is Jesus. Now, Again, I want to come back to the purest. We'd say, wait a minute, preacher, you've taken that verse now totally out of context. Yes, I did. And I did so purposely because I wanted to touch this morning on something which touched me this week. There are people who need Jesus and they are wretched and they are miserable and they toil and they work so hard in their troubles to find the answer. And now you say, how are you going to bring it back? I'm going to bring you back and put this now in context. Because Paul was a man like that. He said it there himself. What brought Paul to the point that he wrote down these words? I know the Bible is inspired by God. I know that. It says it there in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, for all scripture is an inspiration by God. In fact, the Greek word there is, it's a breath of God. So God breathed life into the word. And all I'm doing this morning is breathing life into the word. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make the word alive for you today. 
But still, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul sits there and he writes down, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He asks a question. Have you noticed? And if there's a question, it begs for an answer. So what was the predicament that Paul was in? Well, Paul was miserable because he tried to keep the law physically. That's what he tried. What was he? Come on, you know your Bible. He was a Pharisee, yeah? And what did the Pharisees do? They physically hold the law. They write more laws so that you don't break the law. Listen to me again. They write more laws so that you don't break the law. What is people doing today who preach law? They write more laws so that you don't break the law. This was what Paul was. He was miserable about that. If you read in Romans, and we will study Romans at one stage, verse by verse, and you go into chapter 7, you will read all about it. His predicament is God. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. That's man's willpower. Lord, I'm going to stop doing this thing. But what do you find yourself tomorrow doing? Come on, tell me. The same thing, isn't it? Is that only Paul or is it, is it you and me as well? This is what, what really pushed him. He tried to keep the law physically. He did it in his own willpower. There were a set of rules and laws to keep. But he, he found him every single time that if he built these, role, these rules and these laws, that he couldn't keep them. And for him, because he, he understood he was a sinful man, he came to the point and he said, my sin is, is so heavy and a burden on me and everything I try out of my own willpower to be a good man, I fall down and I fail. That should be your and my biggest issue. Not everything in the world, it should be that as well. You see, and I like it when he says this, a wretched man that I am. What things is that? I've given it away. What tense is it? Present tense. So what does it mean? He, he, he doesn't say, I was wretched then, but now I'm not wretched anymore. He says, this thing has been continuing on. It's grinding away at me. It's keep on grinding at me, grinding at me. Isn't that what troubles do with you as well? You go to bed and what is troubles? I mean, you can lock everybody outside your door, but you can't lock troubles outside your door, can you? Because where does he grind away? Right in here. You lie in your bed and you grind and you grind with that thought. And the Bible says you toss to and fro. What does that mean? You lie on this side and you think, maybe if I lie on this ear, I'm going to stop thinking about these problems. Isn't that right? Is it only me or is it you too? Oh, this ear. And then after a while you go, oh, gee, that's going to have another. Stop it. And then you drive to this side. Ah. No, you see, this is an ongoing thing. Now he says these words, who will deliver me from this body of death? This body of death, you see how he talks about a body of death? He's actually pointing towards a corpse. Now the tyrants back in the day, you know what they used to do? They used to take a corpse of a dead body and they used to strap it to the back of a man. They used to strap it. So that thing is on you the whole time. And you've got to walk around with that heavy body on your back. The tyrants did that. A dead body. Can you imagine that? And you walk around. Wherever you go, you walk around with this heavy thing on your back. Not only is it a heavy thing, but it's dead. It's a corpse. 
And what happens with that? It, in comes all of these diseases and stuff that comes with it, and it starts to smell, and it smells dirty, and it smells awful. Not is it only that, but eventually, this is why the tyrants did that, eventually you will die because of what? The corpse. Is that shocking what I just told you? It should be. Because this is what Paul says it is. It's a body of death. What else is it? He says, wherever I go, this body of death, this life of sin is with me. It's strapped to me. It stinks. It's got diseases uh, uh, to it. And wherever I walk, I walk with this heavy body of sin. Who will deliver me? Can you now see why he calls himself wretched? Have you ever seen the verse like this that Paul says? I'm carrying this sin around me. And you know what happens? Every time I've got this old body, this rotting dead body on me, and it stinks, and people don't want to come close to me, I go myself to the river, and I wash as much as I can, so that I can wash it off. I myself do that. And then I come around, and I put some perfume on. But you cannot hide from the stains of sin. You cannot. This is what Paul's saying there. You see, if you read in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, you will see that this is where we find this sin, the sinful man. Because it says you are dead in your trespasses in sin. Go and read it, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He says you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. Trespasses is to cross a line that you shouldn't cross. And sins is harmatia, you've missed the mark. Now, here's an interesting thing that I want to share with you. When he talks about this body of death, it pulls us under, further under the law. This is what Paul's predicament was. It pulls it further. In other words, Paul says, when before he came to the cross, he obeyed the law with his own willpower. I'm going to obey the law. Some people come to church with willpower. Willpower shouldn't bring you to church. <laughs> the love of Christ should bring you to church. Yes? But he was a Pharisee by his own willpower. He pursued the Christians. He pursued the people of the way. He was this Pharisee. But then what sin did, sin used the law to produce in me evil desires. He actually says it himself there in Romans chapter 7. He says, listen to this now. He says that sin used the law I thought we were supposed to obey the law. Here sin comes and he's unfair. It's an unfair game he's using. He uses the law to give me evil desires. How does that work, preacher? Well, it's really easy. If I built this road down here, and I say you can go as fast as you want on this road, no speed traps, nothing, no conditions. Everybody will jump on the road and they will just hammer their cars. Boom. Uh, Richard would love this now. You want going past. You know, one person would want to do 200 kilometers an hour. We know that's not good. So what do we do now? We form a law. We form a law, don't we? What do we do? We put a sign up there and say, you can only go 80 kilometers an hour down here. So that's the law now. 
So what is sin doing now? You come, and within you there's an evil desire coming up now. How can I break that law? I know there's going to be a police car down there sitting with a laser gun. How, how, what can I do to miss the laser gun? If there was no law, you wouldn't have had those thoughts. Am I right? Because there would not be a policeman sitting there with a laser gun. So now I'm going online on Amazon and I go, where can I can find a laser gun detector? And you spend money on stuff you shouldn't spend. Why? Because you want to break the law. This is what Paul is saying here. Sin came, and because there's a law, sin comes and says, hey, this is nice, let me give you some ideas how you can break the law and feel good about it. Who knows you can't? Because there's consequences. And it's at this stage that he came to the cross, and after he, his sin was forgiven, and after the Holy Spirit is indwelling him, that he writes this word in the New Testament, O wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? But I praise the Lord that the Bible gives the answer. And I think you know what the answer is, but I'll give it to you. In Romans chapter 7, verse 25, just the next verse, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Who is the one who can release you from the body of death? Who? Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, when you come with that body strapped to your back, that sinful body, and you come to the cross, and you bow at the cross, and you confess your sin, and He saves you, you are born again. You know what happens? The Lord comes and He takes that body off you. He takes it away, that body of death, He says. Now we operate and we walk in the new life of the Spirit. So then, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. What is he saying? He says, with my heart I serve the law of God while in my body, while I'm still in this body. But who knows there comes a day that he's going to relieve you from this body. Now when I read the verse, that was what my understanding was. Honestly, when I read this verse... Way back then, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body? I was looking forward to what? To when I die. Why? Because then I will be relieved from this body of sin. But no, no, Paul says, no. When you come to the cross, while we're alive now, he will do what? He will deliver you from the body of sin. Now, please don't get me wrong. I need to put a disclaimer in here. I do not believe in sinless perfection. Where well, you come now and say, I can't sin anymore. No. You and I know that this body is still bound to this world. But what do we do? We come to Him and we confess our sins. But the stain of sin has been taken away. This, Romans chapter 8, and I want you to look at this, is the child of God's manifest. You should have this underlined in your Bible. He says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is therefore, the word therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, it's an application word. It means you need to understand what is written before the word. And that is in chapter 7. I've given you a little bit of a synopsis of that. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. There is no condemnation to those, to whom? To those 
who are in Christ Jesus. So why is it then that Christians still walk around with condemnation? There is no condemnation, he says. Your sins are your forgiven. Listen to me. Past, present, future. That's hard for some people to understand. He comes in here and now he says there in the second part, he says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And some people wants to come now and say, but wait a minute, there's a condition. There's a condition. There's no condemnation if, if you walk according to, not according to the flesh, uh, but according to the spirit. That's not what's written. That's not how it's written there. In fact, if you go back to the original translations, I won't start at all the discussion about it, but this has been added in later on by the translators who do not walk according. That's not me. You can go and uh, study it. That was put in later by the translators. But in any case, if it's in there, it does not mean that that's a qualification for no condemnation because you've got to go back to the, very f the f previous verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord that what happened? That He took me, uh, the sin away from me. The word there for condemnation is conviction or sentence. There's no sentence for the child of God. I hear so many times people say the white throne judgment. Brother and sister, if you're a child of God, you're going to stand before the beamer seed of Christ. The beamer seed of Christ is the victor's judgment. It's the works that you've done after the cross that will be important. But he says there's no conviction and sentence for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of the life of Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. I, I honestly, we're going to study Romans, but you need to go and read this in your Bible, even this afternoon. Because he says there's a law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus. What is that opposite of? The law of acts, of works. This is the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. This is coming back to the Holy Spirit. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. When He talks about the Spirit, we find it in Jeremiah chapter 31, 33, when He talks about the law of the Spirit of the life of Christ. It's a different law. It doesn't say we get rid of the law, the Ten Commandments. That is still there. But we are obeying those commandments through Jesus Christ. We are obeying those commandments through the law of the Spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. That's how we obey them. If you come to me and say the law is not applicable to us, then throw your Bible away. Because your Bible has got so much law in it. I can start showing it to you. The whole Old Testament is about law. The whole New Testament is about law. If you think it was less law now, no, there's more law now in the New Testament. So if you want to follow the law, be my guest. You need to come under the law of the Spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. You see, the law in the flesh is willpower. 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is God's power. I'm just going to pause there for a minute so that it sinks in. I am going to say it again, my sister. That is it. It is the law which you see here, which comes in your own willpower. If you sit in that, it is all the works you do and you will make more works for yourself. You need to come out under that law and you need to come under the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. That is God's power. This is what I've been preaching for the last six weeks. I know you say, but you repeat it over and over again. It's because the Holy Spirit won't let me go. I want to preach through books, but he, I, I believe it's important for us to know this. Stop walking under the law of trying to do things. Break free and come under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You can do nothing for yourself. He can do all for you. In fact, He did all for you. I want to pause a little bit more, but then it's going to take too long. So I'll continue on, okay? But this is important for us to know. I look at it, brothers and sisters. I hear people talk about their Christian walk. And I can hear law, 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 law. I must go to church. If I don't go to church, the pastor's going to mark me absent. And then he's going to give me a phone call. Why were you not in church? Well, church is not going to get you into heaven. Coming to church is not going to get you into heaven. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that's the freedom. If you are under the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters, He starts work in you. Now I'm coming to church to do what? To serve. Hallelujah. To come and to talk to brothers and sisters, to, 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 to fellowship with everybody, to pray for brothers and sisters. This is what this place is. And I will break the bread, the fresh bread every Sunday. Yes. I can't stop saying it enough there's, there's, a, there's a whole group of people who's just under the law in churches you need to break free from that and the only way is through Christ Jesus otherwise you're going to be like Paul a wretched man that I am and I've dealt with people like that I've had a young man in New Zealand he, he, he spoke to me he said I can't do it anymore I said what? He said, I can't serve God anymore. It's too hard. And if you are under the law of the law, it will become too hard. But if you're under the law of the Spirit in life, Christ of life, Jesus. Now let me continue on. There is a people who are condemned. You see, there's two people I want to show you now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is, unfortunately, this morning, people who are condemned. John 3.16. We all love the scripture verse. You find it in all the Christmas cards, don't you? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Point. Christmas card closed. Love. John and Leonian family. Kissy, 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 X. Boosh. Off it goes. And everybody goes, whoo, that's nice. They open it up and say, oh, it's only three, John 3.16 again. Who was it? Yeah, John. Rubbish man. <laughs> Where's all those Christmas cards I've sent you? <laughs> 
But that's not where it stops. Oh, God is a God of love. He will oversee all the problems. And you know what? We're all going to go to heaven anyway. doesn't matter what you do. We're going to go to heaven. Why? Because God loved the world. And you can build the whole doctrine about it. But let me read further on. Verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Through whom? Through Him. You're going to see it. It should make all sense. The Holy Spirit's going to bring it home to you. Don't wait. It's not my work. The Holy Spirit's already working with you in this. Let me go back. Hallelujah. Let me just go back. The law of the Spirit of the life in whom? Christ Jesus. Now it connects. Look at this. Verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him be saved. Now look at verse 18. He who believes, can all those who believe put up their hands? He's talking about you and me. He who believes. And this, by the way, is not to say, yeah, I believe this Jesus Christ was the man. I, that's not that. I think I've preached about this. This belief is a conviction. It is being born again. Okay. But we know what it is. He says, he who believes in him is not condemned. But wait a minute. We've heard this before, didn't we? There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at this. This is wonderful. He says it right there. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So was a conversation I had with a man once. And he said, but you are only judging and you are condemning. I said, no, 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 let's get this right. Your fight is not with me. Your argument is not with me. Your argument is with God. And the reason for this is because you do not believe in Him. You did not accept Him. I'm not saying it, but you are condemned already. Wow. You're not going to make friends like that, are you? But is it the truth? He says he did not come to condemn, but those who do not. I'm going somewhere. Look, the Holy Spirit is going to bring it home for you. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. He already said now that those who believe is not condemned, but those who do not believe is condemned. So it goes around the word believe. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Can somebody say amen to that? Is that true? For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest the deeds should be exposed. They are called cockroaches. Oh, I didn't say that out loud. It's true. Did you see cockroaches operate in the dark? If you shine a light, they run. Okay? But this is what sin does, by the way. Verse 21. But he who does the truth. Everybody say truth. Who's the truth? Well, don't start me on that. You'll, you'll spend another half an hour. The Holy Spirit is the truth. The Son of God is the truth. Yes, the Word is the truth. He says it right here. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen 
that they have been done in God. So you say, how does this all come together? Oh, wretched man, I showed you that. I showed you that we need to come out under trying to fulfill the law in our physical willpower and come under the law of the life of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. Now we see the condemnation that lies with those who are not in Christ Jesus, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me now show you how the Holy Spirit works in this world. Number one, John 16, 8. And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That is the work of the Holy Spirit right now. Now let me just tell you, there's a twofold, a threefold application of the Word of God. One, there's a local application. This were written for them in their day. Two, there is a prophetic application. In other words, this is written for the future. It is happening in our world right now. And three, there's a personal application. This is for you and for me. Okay? So now again for the purest out there. So, ah, there he goes. He's again going to put it out of context. No, no. The context here is, this passage was not written for you as the child of God. It was written to you and me to show you how the Holy Spirit works in the world. That is in context. Let me explain. He says of sin. The Holy Spirit come to do what? He came to judge, convict the world of sin. To convict the world of sin. Now first of sin, because they do not... Believe. I asked you earlier on, all those who believe, put up your hands. Can you show me again? Is this for you? No, this is for the world. He says, I convict the world. The Holy Spirit came into the world to convict the world because they do not believe. Yes, it is also applicable to you. Remember I said there's a local application, a, a, a personal application. Do you? Have you come to the cross? If you sit here this morning and you haven't, then this is applicable to you. This is not about individual sins here. No, the Holy Spirit will use your conscience. You do something wrong and He's going to help you with your conscience to know that you've done something wrong and you need to repent of that. Rather, this is the sin of unbelief because the world rejects Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Can you see it on your newspapers? Can you see it in the world? Sin is becoming militant right now. I'm going to say it again. Sin in our day and age is becoming militant. They're not even going to accept you just saying, yeah, you do what you do, we do what we do. No, no. They're going to force it down your throat to accept it, to sign a little piece of paper and say, I accept it, to bow the knee and to call Caesar Lord, King of Kings. That's what they want you to do. Now, you can't just walk past and say, oh, I'm not part of that. No, no. They're going to pull you in and say, what do you say about this? And you as a child of God need to say, I disapprove of this because it's against God. And if you do that, they're going to convict you. Not convict you. They're going to damn you. So this is what I mean. Sin has become militant. Now, let me just remind you. Because it's happened before. Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened? Sin became militant. 
Go and read it for yourself. It became militant. This is what the Holy Spirit is convicting. And, and let me show you. This is why the world is going to become so angry and more angry at you and me. Because who's living in us? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of what? Of sin. So your lifestyle will be convicting the world of what? See? This is now not dead words anymore, brothers and sisters. I pray the Lord that the Holy Spirit makes it alive. Sin killed man's relationship with God. It means that sin is a killer. But God had a plan and He wanted to help us. Isaiah 59. This, just this morning as I was setting it up, Isaiah 59 came up in my mind. I want to read it to you quickly. Let's go there. Isaiah 59. You see, sin is a killer. God wants to help. Who knows that God wants to help? Who knows that? Anybody? Isaiah. 59. There's a problem here. God wants to help. And the problem is not with God. Believe you me. If somebody's in Isaiah 59 first, call out. Okay, read it for us loud, my sister. Is there a mic there? Just, just all there. Is, is that explaining our world we're living in? What is that verse telling you? He says, for God's hand is not short. What does it mean? God wants to help you. His ear is not deaf. He wants to hear you. But there's a problem. What? Your iniquities. Guess what is the Hebrew word for iniquities there? Sin. Guess what is the Greek word for that? Harmatia. You're missing the mark. So we see here that the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin because they do not believe. That's the biggest problem. And by the way, that is also the unpardonable sin happening where people harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit. I believe that while you still breathe, you've got an opportunity to come to the cross. I absolutely believe it. But let me say to you, I 100% believe this. That once you blow out that last breath, that's it. That's it. That's done. Your race is run. And you will have to appear before God. Let me hurry on. Second verse. John chapter 16 verse 10. First of all, the Holy Spirit working in the world by convicting them of sin because they do not believe. Secondly, it is of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You see, we see so many standards in our world of righteousness these days, don't we? We get somebody who's busy in the community. They're busy in the community. That becomes for them a form of righteousness. Don't talk to me about these things about God. No, no, don't give me this Jesus thing. And Jesus is only a thing, you know, the Jesus thing. Don't give me that Jesus thing. 
I spoke to somebody a while ago, and the whole time this person is, is mentioning the Jesus thing, and I think, I know Jesus, but I don't know the thing you're talking about. The Jesus thing, you know, what is that? What is that? Honestly, but you see there's people in communities and they work on charitable projects and they're fair and they're honest. I know, I know people who's not Christians who's really honest. I know. I work with some. And honestly, there's some of those who I work that I can call at night time when I'm in trouble and they'll help me. But they build for themselves their own kind of righteousness. Let me just say, if that righteousness do not have Jesus Christ of the foundation, that is unrighteousness. That is unrighteousness. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much money you've given away. Doesn't matter how many drinkable water holes you built up in Africa to give people nice water, although it's a nice thing. I would like to support that. It doesn't matter what you do, but if your righteousness do not have the anchor of Jesus Christ, if that is not in the life of the Spirit in the, Christ, in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is unrighteousness. You say, whoa, but you call good bad. No, no, no. The Bible calls it bad. No one has done good. No one. They've all turned away speaking lies. Jesus was the perfect example of living righteous life. But he's no longer here, is he? I know we say he's here, but we understand it. The Bible says with two or three gathers, there he's present. We know that. But the world is going to come. Where's Jesus? Where is he? They can take you to his tomb. We know the tomb is empty, by the way. But they'll take you there and say, there, he's dead. Where's your Jesus? You're right. But because, brother and sister, listen now carefully. Listen carefully. I'm nearly finished. Listen. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you become the example of righteousness of the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? Let me hear it again. It's in us, isn't it? So when you go to your workplace, who goes with you? <laughs> and then when they do their unrighteous things and you do your righteous things, the Bible says, let them look at your righteous things. That's the conviction. Help us, Lord. You see, the world were offended by him and they killed him. And then the Holy Spirit came and he shows righteousness. And then finally, brothers and sisters, I think I've got one more scripture verse after this. John 16, 11. He says, I will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And this part of the sermon you should be so excited about. You should shout hallelujah until you've got no voice left anymore. Do you know some people will do it for their sport fans and for their sport teams? They will shout in the crowds and they've come the next day and say, oh, where were you? What did you do? Oh, yeah, you used to have your MCG. For what? For people. Of judgment. Because the ruler of this world, <laughs> I can't, I honestly can't understand that we can't come to Christ and give Him everything because of this. The judgment, because the ruler of this world, who's the ruler of this world? Satan is judged. The presence of the spirit of the world is evidence 
that Satan has been judged and defeated, the Holy Spirit. When he went to the cross, the cross Satan was defeated. So you no longer need to be bound by your sin. This judgment here is a judgment that's already taken place. It's not something that's going to come. Brothers and sisters, you and I are victors. Now listen to me clearly. It doesn't give you the right to say, I'm going to take on Satan now. Have you heard that? You know, we're going to have these prayer maps now, and we're going to take on these angels, and we're going to fight Satan. You can't fight Satan, by the way. You can't. And it's not your work to do that. It's not your work. Your work is to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples and to teach them. You say, where do you find this? I haven't got time, I've run out of time, but go and read in the book of Jude. Satan is called a dignitary. And you know who's going to take care of him? God. Not who is. He's already been taken care of. His time is just running out. His time is running out. So, let me finish there. Praise the Lord. Have we learned something today? The life in the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, next week, I'm going to touch on the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit. This is very controversial. This is what I'm going to talk about next week. You know, people say, where is tongues? And where is, the, where is the Holy Spirit? Is He still working? Let me just say it, and you will hear me talk about it next week. I still believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. I still believe in the work of miracles. I still believe in healing. I still believe in, in tongues and interpretation of tongues. You will come, come and listen. I will tell you out of the word. Not my ideas, not what I think, not what I read in a book, not what this guy is saying or that guy is saying. We will open up the word in 1 Corinthians 12 and we will look in the scriptures and compare scripture with scripture. But next week I want to talk to you about 1 Corinthians 12:1 now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And you know what I say? We shall not be ignorant. We shall go to the Word, and we shall know what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today's message. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Father, at any stage, if any human side of mine came into the sermon, Father, I repent of that. But Lord, I leave it over to your Holy Spirit to work in the hearts and minds of these brothers and sisters and those who will hear me. I pray, Father, that you will use your word, which is already blessed and anointed, to work in the hearts and minds of people, Lord. We're living in really perilous times. We're living in interesting, strange times. And Father, I know it's only the light that came into the world who will guide us through this. So, Father, I pray now to go with everybody in Jesus' name. Amen.